Gonna scare the shit out of my cat. Well, just give a little clap near your headphone. Okay. Um, and here we go. One, two, three, clap. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three, clap. I don't think that. Here, let's do one more clap. Okay. <laughs> it was like a peewee clap. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs and a game dev. And if we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. How you doing, buddy? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there, buddy. Good, buddy. About as good as things can be, buddy. <laughs> On the eve of the demise of our republic. Yes, um, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> some people might be thinking to themselves... Gosh, that's a bit dramatic, isn't it? No, it's not. Um, uh, the sitting president of the United States is openly talking about um, basically challenging our legal voting democratic procedure. Um, he's talking about he's sowing mistrust and... Uh, all of these things in the process that uh, we've all trusted pretty much up until this year for some f- fucking reason. Um, so, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. No biggie. I don't know. I'm, I, the last like couple weeks, I've basically just tried not to think about it, which is probably the oh. wrong approach, but. No, dude, there's n- almost nothing else we can do. Yeah. Send out some last minute texts and calls for. Uh, Mr. Biden, and that's about it. Well, and the hard part with with Oregon, too, since we're always a mail-in voting state, is, like, most people do vote, like, two weeks ahead of time. So, once you get your ballots, like, end of October, I don't know, the people around you, you're most likely, like, not going to do anything because they've already voted. Yeah, that is true. Now, um, there are some people in Oregon, and this won't apply because by the time this uh, airs, I think we'll be beyond the election. But uh, even if you vote via mail and you find out that there's some sort of problem with your ballot, like Oregon is allowing people to go in and vote in person. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. So. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I... uh... I was pretty impressed, I guess, with how quickly my ballot was marked as received. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the first year I've, I've actually gone in and checked. I went to like the, uh, is it Secretary of State? Yeah. Um, the SOS or whatever. Yeah, that SOS. website. SOS.Oregon.gov or whatever. Yeah, you just like type in your name and and date of birth or something, and then it tells you like the status of your ballot. Um I think I checked it like two days after we yeah. put them in, and it was like, "Yep, received." It's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, cool." I'm pretty sure mine was the same day. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. I feel like they're they're on it this year. Yeah, so I took mine to a, a ballot drop off. Yeah, um, we did too, just in case. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't noticed anything like my mail being slower or anything like that, but with yeah. all the talk, um. I didn't want to take any chances. So Yeah, right. Not that it, you know, again, it doesn't matter too much in Oregon. Uh, it's been like 30 years since we've swung red. Um, yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, listened all the way again. through Temper Wars and uh, found out that 92, Oregon was considered a swing state. Uh, wow. Yeah, they were talking about uh, Clinton and Bush uh, in the 92 election. Um, and, and that's why they campaigned here so hard. Yeah, they campaigned here super hard because of all the temper controversy with, um, you know, logging companies. Yeah, uh, logging old old growth forests and stuff. And that yeah, what became... did you think about? Oh, go Dude. ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It was yeah. awesome. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it like? Did you finish it? I did finish it. Yeah. Oh God. Super yeah. Good. So we're if you guys um. 
haven't listened to it yet, we're talking about a podcast from Oregon Public Broadcasting called Timber Wars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like happens all right up in our backyard. Um, yeah, towns that like place. we've spent, we have like relatives in and like have spent probably significant time in. Yeah, yeah. So And also a town that is gone now. Um, uh, Mill City? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, but even like, it was kind of interesting like hearing them talk about Brighton Bush and stuff. Like, I don't know if you've ever been up to the hot springs up there. Now, there's um, some places I hadn't even heard of, to be honest, in, in the podcast, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. So, you know, these loggers were, this all kind of kicked off. Uh, when was that? Like early, early 80s. eighties. Yeah. And, um, there was this old growth forest and these like activists had been sort of battling this timber sale. Um, because back then, like the U S department of forestry's like main goal was just transactional it was like selling these uh these timber stands to the logging company so they could cut it down and and sell it and um they were sort of finding out that these like old growth forests had a lot of like science and things that we didn't yet understand yeah um, and so the timber <laughs> companies tried to rush up there and cut down this old growth stand and the activists beat them there and tried to block the road and uh, they ended up cutting the stand down, and it was uh, they called it the Easter Massacre because it yeah. happened on Easter, and it kicked off this whole decades long kind of back and forth. And uh, God, I was thinking the whole time I was like, no wonder these guys up in Portland protesting for like now as of today like 137 or 138 days straight. Yeah, dude, Oregon breeds savage <laughs> protesters, dude. Yeah, savage protesters. These dudes down in Eugene storming the jail and stuff. I know that I like, that scene was so crazy. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys, it's only seven episodes. They're pretty, pretty digestible. About twenty to thirty minutes each. Um, and the information it's just so clearly presented. And I got I got to hand it to OPB. They make you sympathize, no matter where you think you land on this issue. They make you sympathize with both sides. Totally. Yeah, um, I felt like it was like pretty, pretty. Um, even i guess and yeah. uh honestly it explains a lot about oregon yeah like if you don't live here you probably just think oregon is like you know blue state super liberal hippie but it's actually no not that way even like i live in eugene oregon which is probably considered like one of the most liberal cities in the the u.s and like where i live most people are like you know, driving massive pickups and yeah, you know, rolling coal and all this stuff. Like it's <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. this like green wonderland that people make it out to be. And it feels like there's a lot of hostility between like working class and government or whatever, yeah. you know? And yeah. so like this podcast really adds some historical perspective to just where I live and kind of really i feel like it echoes throughout the rest of the country too because it's it's the timber industry here but it's you know coal and kentucky and west virginia or whatever and yeah you know all these different industries that nowadays kind of get a bad name but back you know 30 or 40 years ago uh were kind of like the lifeblood of these areas so yeah super fascinating yeah. i i was uh really i just burned through that in like a day oh, yeah me too uh, so it's a good I've... good recommendation yeah and it's really cool too it ties into a lot of really really cool science and to think that stuff about like the spotted owls like i was like i was going on a spotted owl tour uh when i worked at silver falls oh really and i was like oh we've always known about spotted owls nope <laughs> it's like learned about them like 30 years ago right um well that was what was kind of shocking to me uh, which it now in hindsight it shouldn't have been shocking was just how little we actually knew about forests even in the 80s yeah like like yeah it, it it reminded me a lot of like the client the climate stuff like climate science like basically the industry just like ran everything so they didn't want studies to go out to learn more about the forest yeah <laughs> it's and like what yeah, they never even realized the type of ecosystem that was up in the canopy of these tall trees right I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
Which is, I mean, it's kind of crazy because you think like Europe, for example, and maybe I'm wrong about this and maybe our European listeners can correct me on this, but, you know, like one of the kind of big issues that they had when um, Notre Dame uh, burned down uh, was that the timbers that they used to build that were so big, they don't have trees that big in Europe anymore because of their forest industry. Like they had cut them down 200 years ago. Right. Um, And like Oregon was on its way to that. But because of the efforts of these activists, like we still have some of these places to go to and study. And like the science that comes out of it is incredible. And what's more, they didn't talk about it at all. But I was blown away by the connection to another Pacific Northwest uh, academic, Paul Stamets, who is a mycologist. And um, if you haven't, I recommend watching the documentary Fantastic Fungi. It's a low-budget indie documentary, and it follows this guy's journey learning about mycology and fungus. And he like, single-handedly helped discover that there was a network of mycelium, a fungus, that connects all of the trees um, in a forest, and they communicate through this fungus network and they can and so like a grandfather tree can communicate with its offspring trees around it and be like oh it's a drought so i'm going to transfer more water to you oh you're not getting as much sun so i'm going to transfer more nutrients to you and there's this whole vast network underground that's a part of these old growth forests um that were like just begun tapping into 20, 30 years ago and researching and figuring out. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of blown away by the connection, but they don't even mention Paul Stamets, you know, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. Well, that another thing that uh, kind of shocked me was they have sound bites of them, like, you know, driving with these specialists who were around in the eighties and nineties or whatever it, doing all this science or whatever and yeah they go there's this one scene where they like go out to the coast and yeah this this stuck with me too the guy like laughs he's like you know this isn't a forest and like i've been to these places before and i've always thought like over at the coast they're forests there's like it's like tons and tons of trees and they're all like you know pretty pretty big like tall but what actually happened was we went through and clear cut all this stuff after world war two. when we were basically like trying to uh, put the, the GIs or whatever back to work. Yeah. And uh, so we clear cut all these forests that were like actual forests, like massive old growth forests and stuff. And, and what they did was they replaced them with, with new trees, but yeah. now they're only like, you know, 60, 70 years old at, at the oldest compared to like hundreds, if not thousands of years old. So, well, that's one thing that a lot of people don't know about silver falls is these trees are hundreds of feet tall, but a lot of them up near the main park, that whole area was clear cut. The loggers cut it down. And then the, uh, the CCC, the civilian conservation Corps that FDR created to help jobs during the depression came up there and made the park and cut trees and stuff. So like some of those trees up in Silver Falls are huge, but yeah, they're only 80 years old. Right. Or, you know, there's, there's older ones once you get into the, to the, the backwoods and stuff, but yeah, it's, it's but some of those areas were under threat by wildfire too. So that um, too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a great podcast. You guys should go check it out. Um, God. Yeah. Dude, those protesters though, savage dude they're like yeah. building fortress walls to like right these timber roads and stuff yeah well and it's interesting too that like so much legislation happened like you know yeah a block from where i generally work like i drive yeah. past like the courthouse every day on my way to work on, a, yeah. on the bus and like people would would be out there while this was going on trying to uh block different sales of timber doing uh protests with what's that called i'm blanking on it where they like don't eat for one guy like didn't yeah. eat for like 70 days yeah he made it like 77 days yeah the main yeah. guy they interview yeah uh, <laughs> like a, a um a fasting hunger strike or hunger strike yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. pretty pretty wild stuff but it makes me think because i got in an argument at work today about protesting 
And it's like, I, the more I'm learning about American history, the more I am not convinced that any significant change happens without a significant protest. And these yeah. people put their bodies on the line. Like oh, literally totally. laid in front of like a freaking old woman laid into a, the bucket of a bulldozer. Oh, right. Yeah. And I like, you know, it's hard for me to grasp what these people must have felt about the threat to their way of life, the threat to their livelihoods and their families. Like for me, I can't imagine any job that I would like harm someone to fulfill, you know, ultimately like that's part of like why I left when I was doing loss prevention. Like I had to get out of it because it's like, I kept asking myself, it's like loss prevention. People go two ways. You either begin to see yourself above the people that you're arresting, or you begin to ask, who are you actually helping? Yeah. And and it's like I had to get out of it because it's like the job was kind of getting to the point where it's like I, I'm going to have to hurt somebody someday, you know. And I got I got significantly injured, and uh, that was kind of a big eye opener. And so it's like the like I think about these loggers and stuff. It's like man, would they actually have? Because I, I was kind of thinking like nowadays. If that happened today, somebody would absolutely get hurt. An old lady like that oh, lays yeah. in a bucket of a bulldozer. I feel like they would absolutely just keep working. Like, yeah. and maybe that's unfair. I don't. I don't know if that's like true or not. And so I'm. I'm thinking like putting myself in the perspective. Like I've never felt that way about my livelihood or my job. And and well, you know, it's and- like I'm not that fortunate but i am in a way that maybe it's like different times like I well don't know, it could be know? different times i think it's also different different place where we are um because imagine growing up in mill city yeah like i mean that's, that's all they really your had entire life yeah your yeah. fucking city is named after what you do <laughs> yeah and so if if that's gonna go away like if if your industry is gonna go away like one thing that like made me feel really sad was one guy um he owned uh he was in the industry for like 30 or 40 years he owned his own vlogging business and he basically got shut down he yeah. had to scale back to like just a couple of employees and then eventually shut down and then he couldn't find work staying where he was so he ended up going from being a a high paid business owner to literally working at McDonald's like yeah you know that made me feel whoops um that made me feel bad too but i couldn't help but feel like well okay and maybe anybody listening to this can help me reframe this but like this man is clearly like a successful critical thinker had he's no other skills that he could apply to something else i like the way i took it was like okay you you live in a, a town that really doesn't have anything else to offer. So his only choice was something like that or literally but moving. Am I wrong? Okay, I'm about to grossly overgeneralize and I admit this. <laughs> but like, am I wrong in thinking that like, that is also the same type of person that grossly underestimates how easy it is to just pick up and move? I mean, like, you're not you're not wrong there. Like, at least from my interpretation of what was in the podcast, that I mean, was that, there even a McDonald's in Mill City? Like, well, I don't I don't know if this guy was from Mill City, but that probably was from it. Dayton or something. I remember if I remember right. Like, I don't know, but yeah, it would be the same type of person that would like demonize people who are on on unemployment and stuff, right? Is that what you're kind of getting it, at? Uh, just the type of person that. Yeah, it's like not necessarily unemployment, but like the pick them up by your bootstraps. This is you can get the American dream if you don't like it here. Move to another state. Sure. Kind of person. Yeah. Again, I'm grossly, I'm grossly overgeneralizing, but I remember listening to that and I was like, dude, I feel bad for you, but like you must have seen that coming. Well, like, yeah. And you like you're you made a living thinking for yourself. Like you could have sold your chainsaws and got some paint rollers and started like a painting business like it's physical it's hard but it pays your bills you know what i mean it's like yeah it's no way that cutting timber is that like i mean that's a skilled labor job right yeah he obviously has lots of skill and he's like bitching about going to mcdonald's and stuff it's like i have a hard time feeling bad for you dude. <laughs> like like 
maybe you should vote for legislation that makes sure that McDonald's actually fucking pay people money. Yeah. I don't know. I'm getting way off the rails here. I just remember that part like really triggering me in some way or another. So if anybody listening to like disagrees with me, like come hit me up in the chat because I'm open to to being um, educated on this issue. Because again, it's not like uh, I I have nothing. Like that guy sounded like a good, hardworking person. Right. Yeah. However, yeah, it's like it just seemed like there was more options than total financial ruin. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> available to him. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know if but. that's fair, but it must be hard to steer clear too if you have a family and a house and all of these things. But it's like you have assets, you know, like sell the truck, sell the house, move back into town. Yeah. Get a commuter car. Yeah. Anyway, um, go listen to Timber Wars. Uh, it's really interesting and very, very, very topical to today. Uh, if it's not uh, the timber industry, it's another. It's yep. kind of crazy, though, like listening, like thinking about how protests have shaped stuff. And, and again, I don't want to get too back into this, but like, did you listen to the Battle of Blair Mountain stuff yet? Did I tell you about that? Did we talk about this? I'm not sure if you did. Anyway, Maybe there's you... a. Yeah, go ahead. There's a. There's a podcast by writer Robert Evans, and some people are going to be like, he's a crazy leftist. Oh, um, is this like Civil War? Yeah. Like so, pin- well, he okay. did, so, well, he did the one, It Can Happen Here, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. about a civil war unfolding in the United States and actually makes the case that like we're already in one. If we were defining it happening in another country, scholars would be arguing that like the United States is in one. But because it's us, like yeah. everyone is in denial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also does another podcast called Behind the Bastards, and it's a, each episode is a profile on a bastard of history. Um, you know, generally speaking, like he's got one on Donald Trump, he's got one on Elon John Musk. Snow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> no. I Sorry for my John bad joke. Oh no no, John Snow. That's a scientist. Oh, sorry. I, right. <laughs> I mean, you're I talking about you're talking about Game of Thrones. Thrones. I know, but yeah, Jon Snow's a physician. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, cholera. Anyway, that's why you, you screwed me up. So I was like, that is a real person. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Hitler, people, bitches like that. He did one on Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, um, Richard Spencer. People like that too, uh, but he also did one called the Second American Civil War about a battle that happened in 1921 and uh, the events of which unfolded for like two or three decades beforehand, leading to a fight between coal miners and the United States government. <laughs> was this and when you say coal which, miners? Was it was it like a union? Yeah, they were trying to unionize. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. And most of this. the most of the guns and ammunition and bombs were supplied by a union that still exists today. (laughs) (laughs) They blew up train tracks. They literally killed people. Um, The, the, the coal bosses flew planes, surplus planes and dropped surplus world war one bombs on people um, Uh in order to break the union. Um, But ultimately the, results of this war which the union lost led to things like the five-day work week um the eight-hour work day and the standardization of a ton (laughs) 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 Uh, which is just crazy and again it's like miners couldn't get this shit without literally picking up a gun and fighting for it yeah and it's crazy to think like what's happening now on like we're seeing with the Supreme Court the way it is, it's like, are are we going to have to, like, pick up a gun to defend, like, a woman's right to, like, choose her own, like, reproductive health? Like, it's crazy to think that that's kind of where we're at, where, like, either we lay down and we take it in the teeth like we've been doing now, or you, you do something. But, like, ultimately, like, nobody likes the protesters for whatever reason. Oh, they blocked your way home and all these sorts of things. It's like, I get it. That sucks. But you know what else sucks? Everything else in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't know. So uh, go yeah. listen to that episode if you guys haven't. It's a Behind the Bastards podcast. And the episode, I don't know what number it is, but the episode is called The Second American Civil War. And it's crazy, dude. The Hatfields tie into it from the Hatfield-McCoy fame. Um, oh, yeah. One of the Hatfields was uh, like the sheriff of the town, the coal miner, the coal bosses, rather. Um, they were like, hey, can we put machine guns up here to stop the, the <laughs> miners from unionizing? And he, he was like, no. And they, he kept saying no. And so the union bosses got these like Pinkerton type people and they like they tried to ambush him and he freaking fought off a bunch of dudes and killed them all and kick, kicked off this war wow. because, they, because they wanted to stop them from unionizing. Dude. Oh, yeah. Old times so, were crazy, man. Yeah. Not that it's any less crazy now, but no, we just don't kill each other all the time. Yeah. They're like, take you to the courts. I want to hear about it. <laughs> While we're anyway. on the, on this topic, because um, it's been a long time since we we've spoken, so we got yeah. like, our, our <laughs> we're trying media to like, get that into game dev. Yeah, <laughs> go, ahead, go um, ahead. So I've been watching a, a bunch of docu series mm. um, on Netflix, and yeah. one that I just finished um, was uh, Bobby Kennedy for President. I think is oh, what yeah. it's called. Have you watched that? No, no, no. Well, I, I, the first episode. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that much about Bobby Kennedy. Like, I knew he was assassinated. I knew yeah. he was, like, By JFK's Saran Saran. brother. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Kudos to you for knowing that name. Um, Dude. I mean, oh, I'm man. sure we learned about it in school, but... Um, Dude, the name, though, like, people say it in such a way that it's like, I never knew that it was a person's name. Like, I thought it was, like, an organization. Yeah, yeah. They it's make, a, it's it, like like Hamas, you know, or something. Like, what a horrible yeah, it, example for me to pick. But well, yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. He's uh, so he yeah, he was the guy who killed Bobby Kennedy. But I didn't know like hardly any of the backstory about how popular he was with like oh, yeah. all the civil rights stuff. Like, and in this documentary, it just goes through like everything about Bobby Kennedy. And after watching it, like I have a just a ton of respect for him. And it makes me really sad that he was assassinated because he was really on track to be president rather than Nixon. Oh yeah. Um, and uh I didn't like I didn't realize that he was killed right after he had like a big victory in California, which basically was gonna put him as like the nominee if he you know what he was going. in Woodburn like a week before he was killed. Yeah, crazy. My my grandma uh met him at like a uh, restaurant in Eugene, like a little bit before that. Yeah. Um, Cause he was campaigning in, in Oregon, which ended up going, uh, not voting for him. They voted for, I forget who the other guy was. Um, but anyways, I was like, you know, Oregon is never featured in anything. So I was like, Oh, Oregon. Cool. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, and then here we are <laughs> representing the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Well, Oregon was but... established as a white utopia. Yeah. Yeah, literally in the Constitution, it said whites only. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty not cool place for a while. Um, yeah, we're we're <laughs> making up for it. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. Yeah. Um. But yeah, seriously, uh, check out Bobby Kennedy for president. It's four episodes, but it it gets pretty in depth. And um, yeah, Bailey's dad went and saw him speak in Woodburn. Um, really? Yeah. When you that's cool. What you oh, saying? hang on. He She's shouting at kid. me. What? <laughs> I did. Talking about your dad. <laughs> anyway, they have some. They have some good docu series though. Like, um, I also watched The Last Dance, which is yeah. Uh, That's what you think. I feel of like that? even if you're not into sports, it's super interesting. It's about Michael Jordan and the yeah. Bulls, and uh, it was another one where like I grew up in the '90s, so I yep, yep. knew about the Bulls and everything, but I didn't know like a lot of the backstory. I didn't really understand like how Michael Jordan played baseball for a little while yeah you know and like all this stuff so it explains all that and and how he has a gambling problem the mob killed his dad oh my god they don't paint it that way in the documentary it does it doesn't seem like that was really feasible um well you know realistic but it's really good i i was like i came away from that like watching that being like hands down michael jordan is the best basketball player to ever have lived (laughs) yeah like I can see that. I mean, LeBron's got more rings, but are you sure about that? 
I don't think he does. I think uh, LeBron has like four, and Michael has six. Because the Bulls three-peated twice with Michael um, Jordan on the team, which is pretty wild. I was looking at the stats like not too long ago. Okay, you're right. That was before the that was before the Lakers won this year, but yeah, it's um, twelve, thirteen, sixteen, and twenty is LeBron. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So check that one out, and then my only other plug is uh, I watch Challenger. The Final oh yeah, Flight. me too. Yeah. Oh, so good. Really. Also sad. horribly depressing. Yeah. The fact that they like knew that all that was going on. Like I know. Well, that's the crazy thing too, because it's like we think of NASA as being like yeah, so up and so up. up and up and like noble and stuff, and this was a pretty bad situation for him. I mean, it, it sucks it, because if you think about like their main function in a lot of ways, it's like a lot of propaganda and stuff back then. Like, oh, totally. Yeah, it was all about like America being great. Yeah, and it's literally so. like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a pseudo nationalist like organization. Um. Yeah, that sucked. And what's crazy to think is like how different spaceflight would be if that didn't happen. Like the whole right. goal, it really seemed was like democratizing spaceflight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like all changed. Like we hardly like we go into space a lot, and you know the international international space station now has been in in uh, had people living on it years, for twenty right? years now, yeah. according to Twitter. Um, which is really cool, but like. You know, you thinking back in the '80s when that was going on, like that was like 35, 40 years ago. I know, like, dude. Yeah. And it's like, why haven't we made more progress? Like, dude, the shuttle was like the peak of our space technology. It just retired like a few years ago, like right, yeah. 2012 or something. Like, yeah, um, under Obama. Yeah. So it's like it's weird and sad to me at the same time. I, that, like, yeah, I agree. But yep. and that ties really well into our game jam that's coming up uh, with weird and sad game jam <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. kidding um, the... it's only going to be weird and sad because it's the weekend following uh, the election and like who knows how everyone's going to be feeling but uh, um, that, that's how it was planned right? it was planned that way yeah <laughs> at least like Last in my opinion it was opinion, the outbreak like... mitigation jam this time it's the election Mitigation yeah, it's jam. the oligarchy <laughs> mitigation jam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, you know, the idea just uh, giving some people uh, some other stuff to focus on. And and uh, we don't have very high turnout, but, uh, you know, that could change if uh, it's something that you're interested in doing. You should absolutely hop on over to itch.io and uh, sign up for it. Uh, super laid back. And ah, um, oh, yeah, I'm just looking forward yeah. to something chill so you know, you know it's funny like mm. normally i you know i'm like paying attention to the jam for three or four weeks, weeks <laughs> yeah you know before it starts and i really haven't that much and you know i checked the numbers right now we have 26 signed up and i'm like oh, cool i don't know i feel good about it yeah <laughs> it's like okay this will be like a little bit more relaxed we don't have to like manage as much and people yeah. who want to do it can do it and people don't want to do don't have to do it so yeah i'm excited for it and honestly like i'm mostly doing i mostly wanted to do it for me so yeah yeah like <laughs> for sure um i don't know no i think it's great and 26 yeah like i didn't think we were gonna break 20 this go round. we've done absolutely like zero advertising other than like shouting out to our bros um so I think like a lot of the people that have hit it, hit us up are uh, dudes that just um, found it on itch. Um, yep. So seeing a lot of new faces in the discord, we're excited to have you. Uh, if you're listening to this, sorry if 30 minutes of um, talking about other shit uh, <laughs> scared you off. We're not always like this, but um, it's been a little bit though. It has been, we got to get caught up. You know, it's funny. Like we were going to talk about movies and uh, the abominable Dr. Fives and Vincent Price and shit before, but uh, <laughs> we never got to that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about Dr. Fives or Vincent Price rather. And we were like talking about his, his filmography and all these things. It was like, you know what? We should be recording this. And then we jumped right into Timber Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's because uh, we're organic, man. Yeah. We don't look back like Bob Dylan. 
Nah, never, Doug. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I'm kind of looking forward to just like um, being creative and and uh, communicating with other creatives, creating and um, just chilling. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I've been uh, while we while we get on to game dev here. Uh, I've been actually quite into uh game development recently um so i i am just about to wrap up with 100 days of code which is basically like you do you code every day for 100 days um but as prep for the jam i decided to pick up godot which i've never used before yeah um and i've been doing like a really high quality tutorial series on youtube uh, from Heart Beast, he has like a 23 video uh, tutorial where you learn how to make an action RPG in Godot. And it's like super beginner friendly and everything. Um, it's like honestly, I would have paid for it on Udemy or whatever, and it's just free on on YouTube. So if you're interested, um, maybe we'll put a link in the show notes. But good um, idea. It's it's actually super refreshing. Like I've been in this weird limbo with game engines where I just keep going back and forth. Um, and part of the reason for that, I think, is because uh, I don't even remember the, the controversy that Unity found themselves in like a year and a half ago or whatever. We talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it like kind of turned me off from Unity. And I've been wanting to do something that's more open source um which godot is uh and so i i don't know like zivix was talking about using it uh in the discord a while back and kind of piqued my interest so tried it out and like it feels really similar to unity in a lot of ways like all of the the concepts uh pretty much transfer to godot they're just done in a slightly different way and uh I guess you can use C Sharp in Godot, but the primary language they use is GDScript, which is like Python based. So that's been the the hardest part for me so far is just like wrapping my head around GDScript, which um, I don't know, it just doesn't have a syntax that I am. It doesn't feel as natural to me, but part of me thinks like that's a good thing. Like I can yeah. kind of sort of separate my domain of like when I when I'm actually working and getting paid for it, I'm writing C sharp. But when I'm doing game dev, I, you know, go in this different wavelength, which is kind of nice. Um, but I'm super excited. It's been really fun uh, talking a lot uh, to my wife about different game ideas. And um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I have that spark again. I, I want to yeah. be making games which I haven't honestly felt really in, in a while. So it's That's nice. good, man. That's going to be a good spark to carry with you into uh, the second wave of COVID or right? uh, whatever we're going to be dealing with here coming up yeah. shortly. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I um, was kind of looking at that tutorial. You posted it on Twitter today. Um, some of the stuff looks pretty dope. Um, and the idea of like GDScript kind of intrigues me too. Um, well, it's, it's custom made, so it's, you know, it's built for the engine. So it's like developed alongside the engine, um, which I think is a good thing as opposed to like trying to fit an already existing language on top of, you know, what, what may or may not be best for your, for game development. Like it feels, it just feels really organic. So and I think I could be wrong, but I think that that Godot is kind of like Game Maker, where it also has like drag and drop programming. Yeah, uh, I thought I saw something about that. So it feels like I don't know. A lot of it feels really intuitive, and some of the stuff that like I didn't like about Unity with the editor, I just don't feel like you have to do as many clicks in Godot. Gotcha. Um, and and it's kind of nice. It's kind of like Game Maker, where it's it it's all self-contained. Like you don't have to open external programs or anything i guess you do for art but like programming and and everything else is just like built into the the editor um and so it feels like pretty clean 
and I don't know. It just feels really refreshing to me. So um, I'm going to try and stick with it for a while and, and see how it goes. I, I really just, I like that it's open source. I like that if I ever released a game, I wouldn't have to worry about like paying royalties, um, things like that. Um, and the fact that like you could just pull open the code if you really needed to, to see how the engine itself works is pretty cool. Yeah, so that is cool. Yeah, um, that, that's neat. Yeah, and it looks like a lot of people jump ship to using Godot after the the Unity controversy as well. Like I was just right now looking like, are there any games that I would know made with Godot? And it doesn't really seem like there is yet. Um, there are some. I, I, um, I but... see some familiar names, but I don't like nothing that jumps out at me, you know? Right. Um, but that said, the games look great. I'm not trying to take that away. It's just nothing I... Um, yeah. Nothing that I'm like familiar with. Um, yeah, if you follow um, like one of the main developers, I th- I think this is him, Juan Linietsky. Like he's always working on like at least right now he's working on a bunch of like 3D graphic stuff in mm. in Godot, and uh, I don't know. He posts some pretty insane videos of him, you know working out the lighting and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, it's cool. full featured. It's yeah. like nothing to, to shame or I don't no, know. The like, games, honestly, like the games that I'm looking at are comparable with any other games I've seen made in other engines. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Definitely not trying to take away that. Um, but part of the other reason too, is that it's only really, gotten a huge boost in use since 2019 since like the unity scandal i'm, I'm oh, okay so interesting um, i'm sure people used it before then but like yeah. now it's kind of like the go-to even before unity interesting um, according to this reddit that i'm reading which as we all know is perfectly scientific <laughs> and absolute fact <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so that that's cool that looks really interesting um yeah, I haven't I haven't done much game dev, obviously. However, um, I've been doing a lot of some other creative things. Um, I got a drawing tablet, and uh, I decided to buy a uh, bundle on Humble Bundle that was had Coral Painter uh, in it. Um, and I wasn't going to buy it because I always thought it was like some second rate program. But then I started kind of like reading some reviews of it, like versus Photoshop, uh, and people were like, "Yeah, like Photoshop's great, but like." Coral Painter is like the only um, program on the market that really kind of captures the feeling of like actually painting and creating, which is like what I wanted. I just want, yeah. wanted something that was like free flowing. Um, and um, yeah, it's really cool. And it's really cool to use the drawing tablet. Uh, the one I have is pretty cheap. So there's like not a lot of like nuance to its use. But it still feels like so incredibly intuitive. Like even with like the smallish or uh, working surface that I have, like I don't really feel like that holds me back uh, all that much. So, do you have like a you have like your stylus basically and set yeah up yeah or? so yeah. yeah it's like a little little um, s- tablet that uh, I think mine's like six by eight or something like that, and it plugs in USB. And it comes with a little tablet, or excuse me, a little stylus. And um, yeah, it kind of like automatically syncs itself with my... I can also use it as like a mouse and stuff, which is kind of weird. But then also like Windows 10 has all this like really great built-in functionality with um, like uh, Microsoft Whiteboard. And uh, there's another one called... Yeah, Microsoft Sketchbook. Like they're really fun to just like doodle in and draw in with this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just kind of adds like a pseudo like touchscreen like vibe to stuff. Um, but yeah, but uh, it tracks really well to like my canvas size. So it's all kind of um, feels kind of intuitive that way. Like it's corner to corner, like wherever you touch on the tablet is like where you're touching on your canvas, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of fun. And, and Coral Painter is like really great, man. Like some of their brushes and like sets and stuff are like really awesome there is a there's a whole brush set that i've like fallen in love with i i got in the habit of like at work i would uh just prop up my phone and like while i'm chipping away at like mindless stuff like i have these coral painter tutorials going on 
And nice. sometimes it's just like people painting, like while describing like what they're doing in the program. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I got really into these, what they call thick paint brushes. And it like really feels like it kind of emulates like real paint. And so, you know, I get like a little pencil brush and I sketch out a little picture and then I get the thick paint brush and you can like splatter paint on there and then use dry brushes to like spread it around. And it feels like, <laughs> like a real painting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's really fun and cool. And it has like lots and lots of like effects brushes that came with the bundle and stuff, but like none of them are as exciting or as fun as like the real paint stuff. Or even Dude, like the have... calligraphy brushes are really cool. Yeah. You'll have to make some images and post those. I like yeah. I I get what you're saying, but I'm curious to see what they actually look like, you know? Yeah. Well yeah, if I had my webcam set up, I'd just like show you like me doing it and I could like share my screen and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have that set up right now. No worries. But yeah, it's really cool. And I'm very impressed. Oh man, the watercoloring brushes and stuff are really cool. That um, sounds cool. I can't even hardly imagine emulating that, but like... <laughs> yes, dude, it's so cool. That, that's probably why it feels like magic or something. <laughs> the watercolor ones are insane because it's like... So it's it kind of operates with like layers and stuff like very similar to like Photoshop and, and Paint.net and those things uh-huh. but like the watercolor brush set like operates like with like its own special layer that's like emulates water on it so you can like <laughs> so you can like pre-put water on the canvas and then paint over it for like different effects or you could like or you could like just put some like paint some watercolors over it and then like add more water to it or like spread it different ways like blot it out um yeah it's really interesting i i'm having a hard time uh, like getting i'm having a hard time kind of like getting it to f look and feel like real life like i don't quite have like the precision the precision or like the ability to like really get like the makeup of like paint to water that i would do in real life or whatever yeah um but it's still like you get super cool effects with it and and one of the things that really impresses me is the way that some of the wetter um brush sets like the way that the colors blend like on the canvas like you can mix colors oh, yeah. and stuff like on the canvas like super well see that's what i feel like i would be impressed with yeah like i was just messing seeing. around with some like graffiti like calligraphy pen type things and like yeah. doing bright colors i was just doing like rbg um to see like what types of colors i could get like by painting over each other and like doing darker spots over different spots it's just crazy. Like, <laughs> it's nuts. <Yeah. laughs> so I've been having a lot of fun. Like, that's super cathartic. Like, I love to, like, just pull up a picture on Google Images or whatever. And then just, just I'm not trying to duplicate it, but I just kind of use it to, like, as, like, a template to work from. So I'm not stuck yeah, just imagining yeah. something. And so that's been, like, really cathartic. Um, and then, um, God, what else have I been doing? That kind of feels like the big game Devi related one. What really got me into that was the, uh, I really kind of wanted to look at it because of uh, the game Disco Elysium, which has like, oh, a really yeah. unique and beautiful kinda, art style. Yeah. It looks hand painted, you know, and I was yeah, like, man, that totally. looks so cool. And I'm following all these like concept artists and stuff on Twitter that are always posting like really cool stuff. And um, I never want to be a good painter or anything like that, but it'd be fun to um get stuff that you know people can tell what it is and stuff uh oh yeah so i don't know just uh just a thing that's fun nice um, dude. yeah and then um hmm is there another thing i feel like i'm missing something the obvious <laughs> one is that it's that it's uh national novel writing month which i am again oh, yeah. engaging in nice um which is always fun and uh, I set really low goals for myself this year because um, time is never been more of an issue than it is right now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy. I'm just like working long hours and stuff. And then I come home and it's like I'm still on the clock until the baby goes to bed. And right. then I'm super tired. And yeah. then I just want to sit in front of the TV and do nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I don't know exactly what you mean because... I don't have a baby and I work from home now, but, 
it's, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and and I will say that uh, I, I'm not like one of these gatekeeping types. I'm a hundred percent sure that you have felt how I feel now. Um, you especially, because you're always tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today I'm uh, super tired. Yeah. But uh, so it's been kind of hard to find the motivation to keep up with stuff. But I decided that um, my goal every time I sat at the keyboard to do any sort of writing was going to be um, just 100 words. And nice. the goal would be I can't get up or look around or do anything until I have 100 words. And, you know, most of the time I get those 100 words chunking along. That's not like that's like a half a page. Like that's like maybe yeah. three paragraphs or something. Um, uh, I'm like ready to do more. So, you know. Um, yep. it's only day two, but, um, you know, I wake up like every day, at, like five thirty or five forty-five, like kind of naturally, it's like part of my rhythm and like kind of the baby starts like fussing around that time too. So, um, uh, so today I finally just like rolled out of bed and I got up and like made coffee and like sat down with my laptop and just chunked out some words and stuff before I went to work. And that felt really good and productive. And it's just yeah, nice man. to like, kind of, it's just like joke writing and anything else like it's like like podcasting it's like a muscle that like you exercise and you like practice and it like flows and comes out better and um yeah so it's always fun i just love that like coming up with new ideas and following it and seeing where it goes um which i think is really the strength of nanowrimo if you are following like the spirit of the rules and those of you guys who don't know uh, I think most everybody listening, Na- NaNoWriMo's National Novel Writing Month, you have the month of November to write 50,000 words. Um, and, you know, if you win, if you write 50,000 words, you win. There's no prizes really. Um, but, it, you know, it's kind of like a self-certified thing. If you want to win, you can do it. You could just type the word the 50,000 times and you can win. Um, <laughs> or you could just lie and you can win. Um, but uh, I've never won. And I don't plan on winning this month, but it's always a fun thing to participate in because, like, everybody in the whole world does it. So, um, and there's like really yeah. good website and forums and stuff dedicated around cities have like teams and communities built up where they're like com- co- competing against other cities. Um, and they'll like have events and stuff, uh, where you know, it used to be like in Salem, like they'd get together at the library once a week on Sundays. Um, and they would do and like everybody sp- just writes. Yep, exactly. And they do nice. sprints and they compete with each other, do prompts and things like that. So it's kind of a fun yeah. community thing. Well, uh, I don't know. Like it's kind of like a month long game jam. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, so this this is reminding me a lot of my stuff with uh, hundred days of code, and it's reminding me of a our conversation we had with Krasenstein last time about like one percent better every day (laughs) yeah yeah uh and just you like not not having a lot of time so you're just trying to like find the time when when you have it you know um and i i've just felt like super enriched from uh 100 days of code yeah um because like i'm actually doing it and i'm gonna finish it and it feels very rewarding and it didn't really take a huge time commitment you know yeah for sure that's like nanowrimo you could try to win or you could just try to establish the habit of writing every day. Yeah. You know, or whatever it is that you, you want to do. Um, well, that's and, the thing. And I tell everybody this all the time. It's like, if you wrote a page a day and a page is about 250 words, double spaced, you would have a 365 page book, uh, in a year. In a year. And that's yeah. like a sizable book. And people all the time are like, well, books take forever to write. And it's like, yeah, they do. But also, like, it's like Ghost uh, uh, Ghost Goats Games was talking about this in the Discord today. It's like, or maybe he said it on Twitter. I don't know. But he's talking about, like, like finishing something is the single most important thing you can do for yourself, like, if you haven't. Um, yep. And just, like, you know, if you have that 365-page book at the end of the year, yeah, it might suck. But now you have something to work with. Right. Something to work from. And maybe it sucks and you just move on to something else and you can come right. back later or scrap it or cannibalize some of the ideas. Um, yeah. I. It sounds cheesy, but like GGG has been super inspirational yeah. uh, for me lately. And like we started this thing in 2017. It's now almost 2021. 
so we've been doing this for four years and I don't really feel like I have that much to show for it in terms of like, I thought by now I would have released a game. Um, I mean, you have. I mean, I have, right. But not like anything that I put everything I had into and felt like really good about it. We were talking about BBS systems and stuff on Craft Competing last week. I was Uh like, yo, dude, my bro over at CheerfulGhost.com has a BBS system. And I pulled it up on the live stream and there was your name next to uh, Wrath of Dawn. Oh, good old Wrath of Dawn, dude. It's still he's still still causing wrath. I don't. Know. <laughs> but I, like I thought, I was like, I was like, oh shit, I forgot all about this. Like, so they, yeah. you're published, you know? I know, yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, um, and so like, I think that 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 is super important. Just actually finishing something. Um, and it, if there's nothing else outside of the quarantine that I'm like taking away from it, I think that that's like the thing yeah. that I, I want more than anything is to actually finish anything. And yeah. the, the thing that I'm starting with is hundred days of code, which has actually made me finish a bunch of stuff. Like I'm pretty much finished with free code camp, which was like a five year long goal. You know, yeah. I, I ran into an issue completing some of their exercises because of problems on their side so i'm sort of like okay i'm gonna just close that chapter you know call it call it good yeah uh but i just finished this other uh series called javascript 30 which i've been wanting to do for three years or something and just never did so it's just helping me kind of establish that pattern and and actually finishing things so feels yeah. good I feel really accomplished. Like I didn't waste my time necessarily over quarantine. So NaNoWriMo is like a great, um, another good example of uh, something like that, you know? Yeah. And just chunk away at it little by little and you'll have, yeah, exactly. you have like a chapter or something like, yeah, you know, and it'll probably join the graveyard of all my other ideas, but then those ideas, they, reshape themselves into other ideas and and i think that's the whole thing and and ultimately for me the goal is to just keep being creative you know it's like i don't want i don't want like i I don't want to become uncomfortable uh, through the idea of like i i like like what am i trying to say here like i don't want the idea of like writing something or painting something or making music or something to like become this like like become this thing that only serves one purpose which is like you know what to like sell it or make money or something like yeah ultimately like you know the thing that brings me the most relief right now is just like the act of doing it you know totally and right now like i don't know about you man but i'm living in a world where i need a lot of relief (laughs) like (laughs) it's like you know um Uh, me and Taylor have been talking, but I, I've been having some like weird issues going on, like health wise, and like I think a lot of it really boils down to just high stress, high yep. stress environment at work, high stress environment in life, high stress environment at home with a baby, um, and so being able to like divorce myself from any sort of expectation with it and just find joy in the doing of it is like obviously it's something that people listening along they're like but Rhett that's like your whole philosophy on everything but like yeah like my philosophy and how I view things is not always how I'm able to practice it like sometimes you lose sight of those things and it becomes just like a a a sort of maxim that you recite over and over and over but uh, yeah lately I've definitely been feeling like the joy of just doing the joy of just existing and you know getting some flow state in yeah exactly yeah dude that I I'll say it again, man. I feel like that's the meaning of life, like getting into flow, dude. Dude, it is. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, what's weird is like I've been reading a lot about um, like certain occultism and, and things like that and, and, and like uh, like historical magic, right? Anybody who's interested in some stuff like this, um, there's uh, a podcast I've fallen in love with called Monster Talk. And it is a podcast <laughs> by... Uh, kind of a branch of the skeptic society i guess uh, skeptic magazine and these phd academics they like dissect these 
like cryptozoological phenomenon and they dissect other things like and and i found them because they were dissecting magic and the history of magic and grimoires and all these sorts of things and i found another podcast today that's kind of interesting called the arcane history which is brand new and it's kind of the same thing but but um one of the like main sort of like tenets of like magic and like i'm talking like ritual magic and shit you know like fucking alistair crowley type shit um is um the idea of um, like meditation, like really ties into it. And yep. part of the idea of meditation is getting into this like hypnotic state to where you are better able to like let the elements or whatever, like flow through you. And a lot of people in like my, and like modern occultists, like, like thought schools and stuff, like think that like flow state is the same state that they were talking about a thousand years ago for doing magic. Like <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy shit to think like how integral and important it could be to our brains and our bodies. And, and also like, uh, yeah, just like our, our kind of like mental well being overall and our joy of work. I'm pretty sure like Karl Marx talks about it in his work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing. And, I think people who hit flow state regularly in work tend to report more work satisfaction. Yeah, man. I was I was just gonna mention meditation uh, to 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 remind you, but doesn't sound like you need a reminder. Oh no, dog. Um, studying. <laughs> I'm studying two thousand year old magic, dog. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's uh, interesting stuff. Like, just I I started listening to it from like a writer's perspective, like wanting to know more, you know, because I was reading a lot of like Robert E. Howard and um, H.P. Lovecraft kind of like bleeds into it. And there's a whole just like early school of fantasy, like draws from these real historical concepts that were like really being explored in the early 1900s. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Super dope. Super dope. So tight. Um, <laughs> uh, if I can, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but speaking of meditation, um, I've been really into this YouTube channel uh, called The Honest Guys. If you haven't checked them out, they're, I don't know if they're like one of the biggest, but they have a million subs on YouTube. They just have like a ton of videos and they have this one uh, playlist called Guided Healing. And uh, there's this, it's really good. Like most, most of those videos are really good, but one of them is called Anxiety Relief. And it's this visualization exercise that, I don't know, every time I've done it, like probably 10 or 15 times. And every time I do it, it like, yeah. is. I just escape reality for yeah. like 12 minutes, dude. It is so good. Guided meditation is legit. Yeah. And, oh, I did talk about them because uh, they're the ones who also have, like, the Lord of the Rings visualization meditations. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, which is fun. Dude, their thumbnails are so horrible, but I'm going to – I should do one of these. Yeah, yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings guided meditation, Journey into the yeah. West. <laughs> I did – I did <laughs> – I did one Lord of the Rings uh, meditation that was like 45 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure like I did a couple of them, but one of them is like you're you're basically like sitting out in the Shire next to a campfire and you hear like galloping in the background, yeah. like slow galloping. And here comes Gandalf and he just like sits by you and he's like blowing smoke and stuff. And I don't know. it. They're really funny, but they're actually super fun, especially for like Lord of the Rings dorks. But that's dope. Yep. Um. All right. Well, I think we're out of time, dude. This is really fun catching up and yeah, talking, dude. We tied some game dev in there. I think. I we think did it counts a little bit. Yeah. Uh, digital painting <laughs> counts as game dev. Um, oh yeah, dude. Well, guys, this week, um, following. Uh, the election, which I hope goes well for the sake of uh, the world, um, which is like no joke. That sounds like so crazy to think, but like no, I know it is. Uh, it's not a joke. I, I was watching uh, Immigration Nation on Netflix, which uh, y'all should watch if you want to be horribly depressed and see how fucked our border patrol and immigration enforcement is. Um, yeah, but, like literally, some of these people are like being fucking killed trying to get here. 
and all of the lawyers can do is show them a timer, a countdown to the election. Um, yeah, I've heard that too. It's fucked up, and we should be embarrassed about that. But all that aside, if we are still standing uh, this weekend, which I assume we will be because uh, the crumble of civilization is a slow thing, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're doing the OMG Jam, baby. So go ahead and get your ass signed up. Come hit us up in the Discord. <laughs> um, you know, um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing because I'm definitely not making a game. But I imagine I'll probably be making some music Maybe I'll try and make some art or something. That sounds like it could be fun. Doing some paintings, like a little splash screen or Dude. something. Yeah, you should just you should just uh, do some paintings and stuff, and then just post that as your game. Yeah, like a little. We don't, we don't care. Like a little digital um, art show. Art show. Yeah, totally. That'd be fun. Like we we don't care. And oh yeah, this one. This one's going to be fun, too, because we have something special cooked up for y'all. Oh, yeah. And uh, you'll find out when the time comes. But uh, if that piques your interest at all, I'm excited. Uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. And for people who are potentially lazy or uh, trying to not give it away. Or even like people I, I feel like who kind of thrive off of... Um... Not collaboration, but like prompts, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Who kind of thrive in that middle ground space where, like, sometimes being whole, inventing things from whole cloth is, you know, exhausting. Yeah. I feel like, um, at least for me, this kind of gives me permission to do something that I don't normally do. So, yeah. Um, it'll be a fun one. Yeah. I'm excited for it. So, so. Uh, watch out for the themes this Thursday coming your way. And uh, we'll see you all here on Friday. Yep. For OMG Jam, baby. Um, That's right. For all of the links related to this or other things that we may or may not have talked about, uh, you can go to gamedevsquest.com. Follow the links to our podcast feed, to our Twitter, to our Discord if you want to come and join us there. Uh, we got a lively bunch of people. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you'd like to financially support this podcast, you can buy something on Humble Bundle. Uh, I believe the links are on gamedevsquest.com, but if you go to bit.ly forward slash gdq hyphen humble, you probably could have gotten yourself Coral Painter, uh, and joined me. I don't know what's available right now, but go check it out. They often have really good game development software bundles and things like that. Um, Oh, they have a book uh, book bundle for animation. They have... Uh, yeah, they had quite a few game dev bundles recently. The Ultimate but... Fantasy Game Development Software Bundle. Uh, looks yeah. like some like game assets for Unreal um, Unity stuff. Game Dev STEM Bundle. Um, yeah, so there's literally two game dev things on there right <laughs> now, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Um, and an animation book set. So go check that out. And uh, anything you buy there using that link can financially support us. Unless you have anything else to add, that has been Game Dev's Quest. That's all, man. Hopefully for the last time without knowing our future. Right. Cute ad music, baby. That's right.